listening to a Benstown and McVeigh Media Podcast Network production. Run It Again is an inside look at the players, the coaches, and the business of sports with former NFL star and broadcaster Ron Pitts. And two minutes later, I was back in the same Oklahoma drill that I got the concussion from. And the mastermind behind the greatest show on turf, Coach Mike Marks. And we want to force him into a vanilla defense and go to work. Run It Again is a hard-hitting, no BS podcast that connects you directly to the source. This is Run It Again. Welcome to Run It Again. I'm Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Martz. Don't forget to visit runitagainpodcast.com and make sure you hit that subscribe button. Like what you're hearing on Run It Again? Let us know by leaving us a review on Apple. Coming up, week one of the NFL season is in the books. We'll break down the opening week performances of Tom Brady, Cam Newton, Russell Wilson, and Dak Prescott. Plus, the keys to Coach Marks' two-minute drill. We want to turn the mic around now and hear from you, our listeners. Have a question for me or Coach Marks that you would like answered on the next episode of Run It Again? Send us an email at runitagainpod at gmail.com or leave a comment on social media at runitagainpod. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for a new episode and for a chance to hear your questions answered. You're listening to a Benstown and McVeigh Media Podcast Network production. We'll be back after this message. Hey, it's Jesse Cage, and every Thursday I release a brand new episode of First Match. It's your Wrestler's Origin Story podcast, and this week we welcome an absolute icon to the show, Vampiro. I didn't have any. How am I supposed to have wrestling gear? Sure. you got to remember, this is in the 80s. Mm-hmm. They didn't even have the internet. You know, there were cell phones weren't even invented. MTV was just coming on the air. Sure. Where the f*** am I going to get wrestling tights and boots? (laughs) Don't miss Vampiro this week on First Match, wherever you catch your favorite podcasts. Welcome to Run It Again. Now, here's Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Martz. Thursday night, Houston, Kansas City, and Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, you know, the big playoff rematch there. One team looked like they hadn't missed a beat. The Kansas City Chiefs looked like they had just walked off the field from the Super Bowl victory, unlike uh, the performance that their uh, their counterparts there, the 49ers, put out this, this past weekend. They're completely two opposite sides of the spectrum. Uh, Houston and Deshaun Watson, they didn't look the same, like a same football team. They, they, didn't, they didn't look, one team looked like, They'd been practicing. Another team, and I hate to say this about an NFL team, it's, it's almost sacrilegious, but they almost looked like they, they hadn't even practiced the same. It just something was off. Well, it's like the Rams in Kansas City. They were way more physical than the teams that they were playing. Right. They are much further along in execution, being sharp, and the energy that they brought to the game than teams that they played. Now, Houston, and I hate saying this, but they, they – they looked a little demoralized. They did not play with a sense of energy and enthusiasm that you'd expect, particularly in the opening game like you were talking about earlier, Ron. And yeah, defensively, to me, you always know when you got an attitude on a team, when the team is not in a good place, when you watch how many missed tackles they have, and when you watch guys not getting off blocks. So that's just attitude. That's just energy and a want to kind of a deal. Um, Guys weren't getting off blocks. They were playing high. They weren't running to the ball. They were missing tackles. They just – they looked like they just were going through the motions to me, and that's a hard thing to say. But 
Uh, and I don't know whether it's the way they practiced or because they lost the receiver. Who knows? But they need to get that fixed because it's not going to get any easier from this point on. Yeah, and, and the easy out is, okay, uh, you know, DeAndre Hopkins gone, bad trade, bad deal. Or you didn't get anything for him, really. So bad deal, bad transaction. It's easy to jump on that wagon. But it, they didn't even look, uh, like you said, the, the energy wasn't there. And, and no. I think that's what you were going to get this weekend especially with the pandemic. Either you were going to get guys flying out of the gate and everything's clicking uh, because they've been doing everything they're supposed to in off season in spite of all this stuff and working hard, or you're going to get people who just didn't look right because they weren't in sync because they couldn't get in sync. And, and you don't have those preseason games. I, I kept going back to that. I, I'm not going to count this season, even though it will count, until we get to like game three. Because I think for some people, that was just week one of preseason. You know what it looked like to me? It just looked uh, Houston looked like a tired football team. Tired. Yep. They look like yeah, a tired we football team. Yep. And I don't know whether uh, you know. Sometimes you can you know you can do too much. You know, you can, the whole idea about going to that opener is you want your guys fresh and excited and energized, and yep. they're anything but the way they played. So, but they yep. weren't the Lone Ranger in that. There are a couple of teams like that. Yeah, right. Let's take a closer look. I'm going to save this, but just preface it a little bit here before we get to the uh, couple games where it kind of showed. There were three pass interference calls, offensive pass interference calls, and it bothered me, and it still bothers me, because – for the last 100 years, that call is very rarely made. So what the heck changed? And, and no one's going to tell me, oh, that, it was just you know, a coincidence that, that three big plays, three games were, were affected by the, this, this call. But I don't believe that. It, it wasn't a coincidence. And I, I think it has something to do with my theory is the league – did away with the pass interference uh, booth review and, and, and review as a whole. So now that, that felt like a give back. Okay, since we're not going to review pass interference, you can't, you know, can't be challenged. Now we're going to just uh, start the season, let you know, hey, man, we're sorry. You know, we're, we're, we're on you guys' side, so we're going to give you a couple offensive PIs. There was one in the Chargers-Bengals game that took, took away a touchdown. There was one in the Cowboys-Rams game toward the end of the game that could have changed the game or, or at least uh, gotten the Cowboys closer. And there was one in the Pittsburgh New York giant game that, that, uh, that was similar as, as well. So I, maybe I'm wrong, Mike, but that's just what it felt like. Something, something was weird there. Yeah. It looked like there was a little bit of a, a point of emphasis from the officials by the NFL yeah. office front office. And that could be, um, uh, because it was pervasive throughout the league, because I, I think there may have been even more. I saw there's one. probably more. I'm just I just yeah. threw out the three big ones that kind of that definitely affected the game, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I, I saw one. I can't remember who it was. Where it was, he was in the end zone and caught the touchdown to win the game. And yeah, and well, maybe that was the Bengals game. I don't know, but the biggest, yeah, that's what it was. Green and he now he kind of, but when all that hand fighting's going on, it's hard to unless he just pushes him. But he just had his arm up. I mean, it's so questionable. You just don't make those calls if you're not sure. And 
Uh, I'm with you on that. It was a little strange. And the, the downside of that is obviously, ultimately, you know, it causes you to lose without one play could cause you to lose a game, you know. So Well well it did, I think, for Dallas. I mean that was big. That was the the, yeah, it was. the final drive. They needed that to take the lead and and they don't get it. I, I just I as a former cornerback in this league, there's certain things you cry and bitch about, and then there's other things that you don't waste your time crying and bitching about. And offensive pass interference was always one of them. I, I, from I swear from, from literally from college on up to my final years in the pros, my defensive coordinator and secondary coach says the same thing. Don't waste your time complaining about offensive pass interference. You're not going to get it. So we lived just thinking, hey, I've, I've got to find a way to cover this guy and not worry about am I going to p- get a P.I. because I'm most likely I'm not going to get it. I mean, it would have to be back then, Mike. It would have to be so e- egregious that, it, it, the whole world knew it. The guy would literally have to grab your face mask and throw you down before they gave it to you. And what I saw over the weekend, like you say, and I like the word you use, that's a great euphemism. It, it was a point of emphasis. And, I, and that's what it was, I guess. Well, and the guys in the booth that were, I don't remember who they were, uh, Dean Blandino or whoever it was that represents the officials. I think they also uh, questioned it. So it, mm-hmm. it lent some credence yeah. to it. But, you know, that's going to happen early in the season. They're going to, you know, they send the message to the rest of the teams, I guess. But the yeah. other part, of it, if it was just one team or a guy, sometimes coaches will complain to the league before the game and, and make them aware that this guy likes to do this. I kind got of a that. Thing, yeah. You know, but that wasn't the that case. Wasn't there, the case. there was too many of them that happened. No. And, and they were all at key moments. <laughs> it was almost like the reverse of the defensive pass interference. Uh, in the in the in- NFC Championship game a couple of years ago with the Rams and Saints, it was almost the reverse of that. They made a point to make sure that in key moments they were going to penalize the receivers. So, oh well, that's my two cents. We're moving on. I'm 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 okay, Mike. I'm 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 good now. I took a deep breath. Well, here's the thing: in this, breath. you know, I used to be on the a competition committee, and the one thing I used to ask Mike, you know, who who was run the the crew then was in charge of it all. Um, I said, look, y- you know, there's too many situations where the focus of the game becomes the officials and these critical calls that make a difference in a game. And that's just, you know, keep it in your pocket. I don't care. Even if it hurts us, I'd rather see when in doubt, just keep that thing in your pocket, you know. Well, they took it to heart in our Super Bowl. <laughs> They sewed that sucker to the hip pocket, but anyway, that's another deal. <laughs> what did you say? They, they sewed it. The guy yeah. was trying to get it out, but it, it couldn't come out. Yeah. yeah. Now that's another show. Okay. Uh, let's start with this one. Let's move into to the Sunday games and, and break these down. Tampa Bay, New Orleans. You know, it was Brady. It was Breeze. Uh, they're on, Breeze, on Brady's head about the interceptions. Okay, got that. And Bruce Arians came out and you know he told it like it was. It's just certain plays can't happen from that guy, that quarterback named Tom Brady in those situations. And uh, I guess it doesn't matter how many rings you have. When mistakes are made, you're not going to be successful. And the Saints got away with the win, 34-23. Well, I think what 
what Bruce was talking about was uh, they weren't physical errors where he missed a throw or, you know, one of those things. These Both of these were just big, big mental mistakes that you'd expect somebody like Tom to absolutely not make. You know, you could see that with some of the guys around him, but for him to make two big concentration errors like that, you know, the receiver runs a rod adjustment and it's just a simple read on the free safety. If there's a free safety, he's going to pull it up. If the safeties are apart, you're going to take the middle. And there's a free safety there, and so he pulls it up and he throws it down the middle. Wait, come on, Tom. That's the first thing you do. And, you know, that's an easy read. And and then to throw the ball late into the – there's a couple axioms coaching quarterbacks, you know, do's and don'ts. And one of the biggest don'ts you ever, ever throw the ball late into the flat. Late you know, into the flat. You, nah, you just don't do that unless there's just nobody there. You just don't – Come out and just click it out there, you know. And he did that, and he underthrew it on top of that. And why, Mike? Why do you not throw that ball late into the flat? Because of what happened. You know, when your eyes are down the field, and then you're checked, you have to come out. If you're going to throw the ball in the flat, you come out. That's got to be your initial part of your read. Yeah, you know, that's the way I was coached anyway. And if you know, if you're if the especially if there's a soft rolled corners, you know that that, that type of defense, and that's exactly what yeah. he just read it. He just. Yeah. He came out and he was going. To, he was just going to take the completion in his mind. He was lazy with his eyes. He came out and I watched him. I watched that play a couple of times. He's downfield with his eyes, not very long, and he hit that back foot and it was just like, I'll just get it out to the flat. They're sinking. He looked at the defender. You don't ever look at a defender and make a throw. And I, it's just what he did was just so uncharacteristic, you know. He, yeah. So he just, yeah, he's just going to get that. He just got, you know, lazy. Really, he just kicked it in the flat and they picked it and went. Yeah, because because late in the down, late in the 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 quarterback's play clock in his head, you know, if I'm a corner out there in a cover two situation, I I only have the flat. So the later it is that he's holding the ball, man, I'm I'm twitching and I'm going to go on any movement toward me, and that's that's what that corner did. That I guarantee you that corner was running to the ball as soon as Tom looked that way. Well, because and even had to go. yeah, and you know, in quarter defense too. If if number one yeah. to your side, that receiver to his side takes off and vanishes inside, you dangle. Your eyes are on the quarterback. That's right. And then, yeah. and that ball gets, and then his eyes come into the flat, and as that arm starts to stroke, <laughs> he was running a forty yard dash to the yeah. receiver, and it's just easy against yeah. quarter defense. You have to throw the flat first. Mm. You know, I mean, you got to come out and make them come off that, and that's what creates the, you know, opening underneath on the deeper. So you, you come out and you check it, and boom, they squeeze to it, and you get the guy down the field. That's kind of how – so anyway, make make a long story short here. He was just mentally – that was just a, a a brain fart, if you will. He There's no way Tom Brady uh, should have been able to do something like that, you know, and I'm, I'm sure that's why, you know, the head coach was upset with him and called him out in the public, um, which was totally – uncharacteristic head coach. You just don't do that. But, you know, I, I guess, too, you got to send a message to the rest of the team that a guy screws up that bad and, you, and you're counting on that heavily. you got to call him out, I guess. That's what I thought it was. And, and I don't know that it, it was one of those deals where, and I heard this would go on up in New England, where Bill Belichick would go to Brady before meetings sometimes and say, hey, I'm going to call you out today. I'm going to go off on you. It's it's not as personal as it's going to feel. 
or it's not personal at all, but I, I need to get everyone's attention. One of those deals. Or I, I also thought maybe it's, it's, it's a part of what we're talking about. You know, it's the first preseason game. In, in, in all for all intents and purposes, maybe even for guys like Tom Brady, and I I understand what you're saying, Mike. I, you know, you, you still shouldn't expect that kind of mistake from, him, but but yet, you know, we haven't had preseason games, guys. Those mistakes, if that mistake is made in the first preseason game, all right, uh, it might get a little airplay, but then who cares? They're moving on to the second game, and and now hopefully all that's out of the system by the time. You know, we get the game one, but unfortunately it counts. Unfortunately for the Saints, it counts. Well, the other part of this picture is I watch those receivers really hard. Remember we talked about this, and there was just not a sense of urgency in the routes at all. And it frustrated uh, him. I watched yeah. him play, and it was frustrating him because what he's used to is guys just going full speed all the time. Backside, yeah. onside to the read, doesn't make any difference. They're, they're busting it, and they're going because they – because with Tom, he, you know, yeah, here's your read over here, but if something happens, he, you may get the ball on the back side, you know. You may be the hot read now. Yeah, and, and so what we you told, always told all the receivers, you don't know when you're going to get the ball. You know, here's his – but there's certain situations where the ball may come over there. And there are a couple of crossing routes that happened that the guy says, I watched him as they came across the field, and they were not. I mean <laughs> – they had you know, it's like a 10-speed bicycle there in, in like the seventh gear. You know, they they were not kicking it like you need to kick it when you're coming across the field. And so uh, some of that is just kind of being unsure. And I think that whole dynamic of getting on the same page and being really, really uh, sure about where guys are going to be because he's an anticipation thrower, as all the great ones obviously are. And, you know, uh, he just got to be there. Yeah, and Mike Evans, the receiver, he was hurt. He was trying to get through some things. So no excuses. It's just a learning lesson, and it's uh, it's a big win, a huge win for the Saints in that division because clearly those two teams are going to have targets on each other's back. So moving on, Dallas and, uh, and the Rams here, here in L.A., 20-17 to game. We talked about the offensive pass interference. That, that played a big part of it late. But all in all, the Rams look more physical. I that's that's surprised me. I know the announcers were talking about how that was one of the key points of emphasis, but I didn't expect for them to be that physical. You know, they had lost some people on both sides of the ball, uh, but uh, offensively, without without a feature running back, yeah, you know, they they used three different running backs, and I I thought they were impressive all the way around. They they were the only thing I would asterisk on this deal is you know this is a brand new defense and there's such a big change from how they played structurally and just the whole concept of defense from last year to this year. Last year that front was a, a gap defense where they penetrate real hard and they're disruptive with a lot of games. These guys are two gap guys. They're readers. They're hands on and then read and go. In that first half, the speed and the physical part of that game shocked them. And they, they hadn't had that preseason game. They hadn't they hadn't done this yet, right? Yeah. So, but the second half, I think if you go back and look at the second half, and I don't know, maybe the Rams scored like seven points, was it? Whatever it was in the second half. But defensively, I felt like the Cowboys got better on in the second half, and clearly they were shocked in the by the speed of the game and and just getting off blocks and playing the defense the way they're supposed to play. That's going to take a little bit of time. I think they'll resolve that. So that's a to me that's a 
something you have to kind of take in consideration. Uh, the the other part of that is I was a little disappointed that there weren't more big plays down the field in the Cowboy passing game. But, yeah, you know, it's I know what they're trying to do. They're going to get that run to the ball as much as they can. They did a good job of that. And they were probably good enough on offense to win that game. Uh, I think defensively they'll sure this thing up. And I think particularly in the fourth quarter, I thought that the Cowboys were getting better and better. And I think they'll be all right. Yeah, you're right. Now, the Rams with only seven second-half points, uh, 13 first-half points, but the Cowboys had 14 first-half points. You know, I, I, here's one thing I noticed from the two quarterbacks. It looked like uh, for uh, for Goff that they said, okay, we're going we're gonna, to – you know, they, they still did their play-action pass, and that came off the run game, and, you know, they've been doing that for the last few years. But they got the ball out of his hand fast. They're they're not going to let you hit him. They're not even going to let you touch him because he he's a guy who can't get his uniform dirty too many times. And on the other side of the ball, it looked like Dak was holding the ball a lot. Now I I, I get it. Some changes offensively there. Maybe you know Mike McCarthy emphasizing some different things. But that was the first thing I noticed. He just couldn't get the ball out of his hand. Well, you know, and it's the same coordinator, supposedly the same system. That's why yeah. they kept him. So, but they look different. They just look different. Yeah. Um, it yeah. didn't look like they were doing the same things. Uh, they started off getting the ball out in the old Art Exam PZF post play and some of that stuff. But he, I, I don't know. It just kind of, they just never really got in much of a rhythm, you know. And the threat of that ball going down the field at any time to me is what makes the Cowboys a little bit different. It makes uh, Prescott different. Um, but they were kind of conservative, and I'm not sure. You know, when you when, when you don't have the ball in the first half, like they didn't have the ball. You know, I mean, the Rams just dominated the clock. You know, there's a little sense of panic as a play caller if you're not careful of trying to make something happen. But they didn't do that. They, were, they just kind of stayed with it and stayed with it. And ultimately, they were in a position to win the game. And they didn't get it done, but – you know, they've got to get better on defense, and they will. I think we witnessed that in the second half. But when they were getting better, the offense was stumbling around a little bit. Yeah, there's this thing out there that says Amari Cooper doesn't play well on the road. So sometimes I look at it, and I and I see exactly what people are talking about, and there's always other factors involved. I I'm afraid it's too easy to take him out of a game. It's like, Either he's in Dallas in the big house and everything's working perfectly or he's on the road and they're struggling like he seemed to struggle against the Rams. Now, I say that now, but I'm looking at his stat sheet. The guy had 10 catches, but they kept him, uh, they kept him small numbers. He had a total of 81 yards. They didn't give him the big explosion play, and that's what he's there for in my estimation. Well, a guy like Amari, it's a little bit like Isaac Bruce. Um, we really tried to get Isaac the ball in the first quarter with a big play. And then it just energized. And then it's just like he had his battery uh, on overcharge with turbos. You know, he was, and there were yeah. games when we just couldn't. And it was hard for him because he, that's just who he is, you know. And I think Amari's probably a little bit like that. And I think they really tried to get him the ball. So he could do something with it, but he's a guy, like you said, you'd like to get him the ball down the field as much as possible because when that ball's up for grabs, he's going to get it. And 
that's why I say I didn't see a lot of the big plays in the offense that we're kind of used to seeing from them, but um, I'm sure they'll address that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, two big injuries for the, the Cowboys. Uh, this is the one negative that came out of that game. Blake Jarwin, tight end, and uh, Kyle Vander Esch both gone for the year. The Vander Esch one will, will hurt. They're going to feel that. Well, the other back, uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the other linebacker's name, but he, he was down too for the game, right? Cowboys? Uh, yeah. Yeah, who was it? Oh, yeah. shoot. Taylor. Oh, um, um, Lee. Yes. Yeah, yes. Lee, Lee's already hurt. That's yeah, right. So, so now, here, and here's where it hurts you. Your two starting linebackers inside are down. That means those other two guys now are stepping up. But those yep. two guys are the heart and soul, as you'll remember as a player. Those That's the heart and soul of your special teams. So you actually lose four guys, yeah. your two starters and your two starters on special teams. So you got four injuries. And then the tight end, you know, that's five. So you're, you're really – and then the offense, and then the offensive line, you had three offensive linemen out. Yeah. So when you look at all the things that happened to him injury-wise, brand-new defense, completely different philosophy – on how to play the front, completely different. When you have all those things in the mix, they're in a position to win the game at the end, and that's what I would tell the team. A lot of adversity, a lot of bad things happen, but somehow we got ourselves in a position to win, now we just got to get better here this next week. Yeah, Smith is that other linebacker. He's he's still in there plugging. Uh, very quiet, DeMar, De, uh, Demarcus Lawrence, quiet. You know, he got a big contract not too long ago. Uh, but, I, again, I'm going to go back to getting the ball out of Jared Goff's hands quick. They're not going to let him, uh, let guys just stand back there and slap him. All right, Coach, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more Run It Again after this message. There are families that will go hungry tonight. Every day, people who have been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic The need is greater than ever before, and your neighbors need your help. Donate today to support communities facing hunger during this time of uncertainty. Every dollar you give can provide at least 10 meals to children and families in need through the Feeding America Network of Food Banks. Please make a donation today at feedingamerica.org. Thank you. Welcome back. Here's Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Mars. Be sure to join them every Tuesday for a new episode of Run It Again. All right, moving on here. Uh, Cardinals and the, the uh, 49ers. <laughs> you know, th- that was an interesting one. They almost canceled the game, and the 49ers are probably hoping, wishing that they did cancel that game. Hey, and kudos to uh, Arizona. They went in there and got the win by four. Well, the, the the thing that surprised me was how well the Cardinal defense played. You know, we're talking about the energy and being physical. Yeah. Uh, they really kind of dominated the game to me. They they kind of won that game. Now, you know, looking at the quarterback in the 49ers, he just – you can't miss throws that he missed. You just, I just can't do that. He just cannot do that. And then the other part of the, – the other side of that whole deal is defensively, there are so many blown coverages by San Francisco that left guys free. You know, they're playing that robber defense and the corner chased and they didn't replace anything. And then the robber took the wrong guy. That comes out the other end for a big, big, big play. They don't account for the quarterback. 
That, that's the guy you better account for somehow, some way. You can't just let him scramble. And you're going to play man coverage. You better account for him somehow. Yeah. He'll, he's going to hurt you, and he did. And there's just too many blown uh, coverage. I was really surprised at the, the lackluster performance defensively um, by the 49ers. And, and really, the quarterback didn't play very good. Yeah. Garoppolo, uh, he picked up right where he left off in the Super Bowl, and that, that's, that's not good. They're going to have to reevaluate this situation and reevaluate and keep an eye on it because it, uh, they may have to make a change very quickly there. And I mentioned almost canceled the game. They almost canceled the game because of the smoke in the, in the Northern California area that has come down toward our neck of the woods here in Southern California. And really the entire Western region is kind of, kind of blanketed with smoke. It's moving across the country, so to speak. So yeah, the 49ers, that's not how you want to start off after a Super Bowl appearance at home against a team that, yeah, I know everyone in this league is getting better and they have a quarterback that can run around, blah, 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 blah. But those are the ones you got to win. So, Well, the 40, that's a, that defense, though, Ron, should be the best in the league right now. 49ers. And they, they were yeah. anything but. They, yeah. You yeah. know, that they should have dominated that game. They didn't. They didn't. They were just in it. Yeah. What, what, what happened? I can only throw out this COVID-19 card to so many times. What went wrong? I think everything in the first game of the season run comes back to how you practice, especially if, if you are not going to have preseason games. You've got to have some violent practices, full speed. And, I'm, you know, there were some of these teams practice like it's – you know, mid-season where you back things off, you know, in terms of the collisions and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. There just there just wasn't enough polish and full-speed work for some of these teams. And then some teams just look like, to be honest with you, like they weren't in very good shape. Yeah. Yeah, violent practices. Mm, that's uh, – yeah, because it's a violent game, and you can't go from zero to 100 just thinking about it. <laughs> You've got to yeah. actually do it. Right. That, that's what we saw. Uh, Miami, New England, again, the quarterback, he, he's, he's a veteran, Fitzpatrick. He's, he's been around a long time, but you know, he, he threw a couple Oscars there late and I just, I, I don't buy him. And Cam Newton, I'm surprised, you know, Belichick let Cam be Cam and, uh, work that game, 75 yards rushing and two touchdowns, uh, passing. So, well, it's kind of like, uh, uh, pulling out the wildcat in your opener. Nobody's prepared for it. Right. Um, I don't believe you can do what he did every week. He's just not going to – he's just – I don't believe he can do it. He's not going to hold up. He ain't killed, you know. So, you know, at some point, he's going to have to win the game with his arm. And, you know, the big surprise was what he was doing. They weren't prepared for it. Well, they'll be prepared for it next week, and they'll have to do some things differently. You know, that's a good job of coaching on their part. You know, they pulled something off on him and – Totally unprepared for it defensively, at least Miami was. And but Miami's Miami; they're just not very good. Yeah, no, that's right. And uh, pretty soon they're going to have to make that quarterback change, put the the uh, Tagovailoa kid in there, and you know, hip hip or no hip, <laughs> they're going to they're going to have to get past that. I, I think Fitzpatrick will get you to a certain point, and he can have some good games. Now he twice a year, he or at least once a year, he's going to beat someone big that didn't think that that he could beat, but. That 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 is slowly fading, and that's not going to work. You can't make a living off that. Cleveland still with some work to do. Baltimore, that you know, Lamar Jackson 
275 yards passing, three touchdowns. Uh, they uh, they clearly came out to play. Uh, and the Packers went in to a place that, that I can tell you from experience is tough to play in, uh, in Minnesota. And Aaron Rodgers, boy, Aaron was uh, looked like he was on a mission. Well, he is on a mission. You know, there was a love fest in the announcing booth talking about, well, they've you know, they're, everything is good now. And no, <laughs> no, he's, he's got a chip on his shoulder the whole season and he more than likely won't be there next year. You know, there's some, you don't draft that guy like that and, and not talk to him about it. And I just think it's going to be an issue all year long and uh, we'll see if he's there next year. I wouldn't think he would be, but we'll see. 364 yards passing four touchdowns. Yeah. That's uh, that's making a statement for sure. And now, we leave you with this. It's the two-minute drill with Coach Mike. And, Mike, now it's time to talk about your two-minute drill. Well, you know, what we always did in two-minute drill, it's usually the philosophy is, you know, just move the change. That was a Chuck Knox deal, and that's pretty common. You you got four downs to get a first down, basically, is what you're talking about. Well, use that different philosophy when you start off a two-minute drill a lot of teams will open up with a draw screen pass check down uh, we're gonna put you on the heels immediately we're gonna take a shot down the field because i know i got another three downs and uh, we're gonna absolutely put you on your heels with a deep dig or something that will make you shake your timbers a little bit and get things going um, and taking a shot at the end zone on the first play is fine. It depends on how many timeouts you have. So we were real aggressive in early downs in two minutes, which is a little bit different. And then we'd go back into a control based on what happened. And the looser you get them, you know, the message is now a check down becomes a big play because they're so concerned about the deeper throws. And and by structure is everything. You know, mm-hmm. what you do in a two-minute uh, offensively is all based on structure. And usually – the structure of the defense is, usually stays fairly consistent. They're kind of back deeper. They, they, they just get, you know, it's like almost a semi-prevent defense, which as a head coach used to drive me nuts. But in that, in a two-minute drill, uh, when, when there's a timeout or the clock stops and you go to the huddle, then you can expect blitz. And you, the quarterback needs to tell all the players, all right, expect pressure. We got to be all on the same page. You know, that's just a reminder that you got to do. So, how you stop the clock and how you manage the clock and do all those things is very, very important. And having the quarterback aware of, you know, like if you have a big, a big completion down the field, say the second play of your two minute drill, let's say you get a 25, 30 yard completion. I'm burning a timeout. Right. If I've got three of them, I burn a timeout. And, and the reason for that is, you know, it's going to take so much time for everybody to get down there and get lined up. And time is everything. You can always spike a ball and stop. There's all kinds of ways of stopping the clock, right? But to burn off all those precious seconds on a big play, you know, if you've got some timeouts, I would burn the timeout so that you, you save that time. You know, and then the other thing is when you get a big play like that, there's time for the defense to get pressures called. So you let your guys know, all right, we just made a big play. They're freaking out over there. They're going to bring pressure. You know, those kinds of things. So we used to talk a lot about two-minute. We practiced a two-minute drill relentlessly, relentlessly. And our guys were so comfortable with it that it was just a matter of course after a while. When does a two-minute drill start? 
Does does it does a clock have to be at or around two minutes, or can you be doing a two minute drill any anywhere anytime? Well, you know, we were down by I think seventeen points with five minutes to go up in Seattle, or seven minutes to go, and we went right in two minute drill. It depends on the score, you know, the situation t- it tells everything. So, um, you know, and protections an issue too. If you've got if you're playing a team that blitzes like crazy, you have to be a little judicious in how you're doing that. And I remember we're playing Tennessee down there uh, during the regular season, and we went in halftime, I think, down 21 to nothing. And we came back out, and we fought our way back into a 24 to 21 in the fourth quarter. We got about three and a half, four minutes to go. And I'm using two tight ends in there. I'm not using four wide receivers. Well, Javon Curse is over on the edge, so we had to double and triple him. And afterwards, the president of the – of the Rams said, Hey, how come you just didn't go into your two minute drill? I said, well, we, we gotta, we gotta block them <laughs> before we could throw it, you know? Yeah. And I said, you know, and I, and I know we burned a lot of time out with that, a lot of time off the clock with that, but you know, it was going to be three and out if we didn't. So, and then you start, we started moving the quarterback. You started using dashes and things of that nature. And you can kind of tell when you get a team, you know, uh, back on their heels. And, and you, I will always watch the defensive front and see how tired they are. If they're very, very active, that's when you're getting your screens and traps and things of that nature. If they're staggering around like a bunch of drunks, then you can get the ball down the field. Yeah. So speaking of staggering around like a bunch of tired drunks, Dan Marino took us on a drive once down there in Miami. Uh, late in the game, two minute, obvious, and he's he's going up the field, and it, it ended up being a sixteen play drive, complete with penalties, and it, it was the first time I had seen a a professional cornerback, and it wasn't me, but a professional, highly tuned, highly trained, extremely well conditioned cornerback throw up at the end of the drive. Because they ended up putting the ball in the end zone, and it wasn't me, but they put the ball in the end zone, scored, and walking back over to the huddle for the extra point, this kid threw up, and I'm thinking to myself, "Wow!" But that's that's how tired you mentioned tired and gassed, Mike. It, it got to the point where you, you literally just wanted to get off the field. I mean, we're talking in Miami in September, first game of the season, and a 17 play drive from from Dan Marino. It, it, you, you have better done your wind sprints and take care of yourself because you can't hide and everything's usually man to man at that point, as you know. Well, and you know, the, the other part of it is your matchup is, you know, if, if they're nickel and dime, I want to know who their dime matchup is, you know, cause that's yeah. their, you know, that's their, uh, third and fourth corner. And usually that's a pretty good matchup for, uh, for you on offense, uh, they're not comfortable being in there. And, and then the oh. who's now they, they put their best backer on the back and you know, those matchups are also critical. Yeah. And yeah. the third and fourth corner usually are not the most um, proficient tackler, shall we say. So that's kind of a point of emphasis too, is, you know, you're attacking those guys as well. They're not that's used right. to being on the field that much. Oh gosh, man. It's, it's uh, it was interesting. So next week, this Thursday, actually, we got the two young quarterbacks facing off. That's Burrow and uh, your guy there with the Browns, and they'll they'll go head to head. And Sunday, some key matchups: the Falcons and Cowboys. 
Rams and Eagles. Rams going back to Philly. Philly dropped one. Man, dropped it late there to Washington. They seem to do everything wrong and look like the quarterback uh, wins. He he hits. He missed some big ones early. I mean, he could have he could have opened them up, but they missed them, and then they came back to haunt him. Patriots at Seattle. That's going to be a good one, Mike. That that's going to be interesting. Long trip. Cam Newton taking on Russell Wilson and the Saints and the Raiders. Raiders opened up the new stadium, but that. Newton Wilson thing is going to be interesting. That is, that should be very interesting. I think that that being in that stadium, I don't know how many times Cam's played up there. I'm trying to, you know, you're right. Yeah, and that's a that's a different spot to play, buddy. And yeah, even without know, fans, it's still going to be loud. <laughs> yeah, it is. You know, I mean, it's just a different environment. That whole that's just yeah. a whole that whole it's just surreal. It's such a neat place. It's my favorite place to play in the league. To be honest with you, I love yeah. that place. Um. But I do think that uh, I guess the you know the the whole idea of this offense now that they showed in the first week, I would imagine you're not going to see that. You know, Pete's pretty darn good now on defense and what yeah. he does, and I think that was something that they did. I don't know that they'll do a whole lot of it. Uh, you know, they're going to have to score points to beat them. There's no question, and you're not going to do that by doing what they did at Miami. Lamar Jackson last year came into Seattle and and put a whooping on the Seahawks and and he did a little of everything he wanted to do. And so I wonder how much they've learned, how much Carol and the team has learned from that. That's a very similar situation if if the same Cam Newton can show up this week that showed up last week. Well, the the one thing that takes that out and it's kind of an anemic, and I'm not beating up on the Dolphins. They're just at this point, they're just getting going. It's just a whole new deal. But yeah. um, the pressures that Pete brings are so unique and different. Uh, I think he'll do a good job with them. I really do. I think that I think that they've got a chance of uh, struggling against the Seahawks, but we'll see. Yeah. All right, Mike, we fix the league's problems as usual like we do every week. Can't wait to fix them next week. <laughs> Always fun. Looking forward to it. And uh, stay safe, man. Stay out of that. Stay out. Stay out of outside. Stay indoors. That smoke's heavy. Yeah, but puts a cramp on the golf game, doesn't it? Ah, that's right. Can't have that. All right, buddy. See you next week. Thanks, Ron. I'm Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Martz, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Like what you're hearing on Run It Again? Let us know by leaving us a review on Apple. Now it's time to turn the mic around and hear from you, our listeners. Got a question for me or Coach Martz? Send us an email at runitagainpod at gmail.com or leave a comment on social media at runitagainpod. Be sure to join us next Tuesday as we answer some of those email and social media questions and break down week two in the NFL alongside longtime broadcaster and good friend Solomon Wilcox. Don't forget to visit us at runitagainpodcast.com Be sure and hit that subscribe button. Remember, we're just two old pros trying to make you think a little. Be safe and stay healthy, everyone. Run it again with Ron Pitts and Coach Mike Martz, a Benstown and McVeigh Media Podcast Network's production. Executive produced by Roy Hamilton, producer Ted Woods, and technical engineer is Kevin Horton. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram by searching at Run It Again Podcast.